Hey, what's up, good dudes? My next guest does research with veterans using medical cannabis and psychedelics. That's right. You heard that right. Psychedelics. You may want to listen to this episode. There may be some stuff the FDA is coming out with that may surprise you. Stay tuned. Let me first start out by saying thank you to Podcast Powertrain for helping produce my show. These are the guys you need behind you if you're looking to start your podcast. Also, I'd like to thank Powered by Riverside FM. That's right. Our show is powered by Riverside FM, one of the best platforms to actually have a podcast on. So I'm going to have some links at the end of the show or in the show notes. Check them out. These are the two people that you need to get up, get with to make your podcast top 100. The good don't grow. We help you understand the benefits. CBD and cannabis, yeah. The good don't grow. We remove the fear of the unknown. Not giving you all the facts. The good don't grow. We bring the unbiased content from opposing views to give you nothing but the facts. I welcome you to the show. The good don't grow. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host, Gary Roberts, and my next guest is Dr. Lonnie Weiss. He practices integrative psychology at WTC, which focuses on treating the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. He specializes in integrative health consultations using plant-based medicine, medical cannabis, and plant medicine, neoshemic psychedelic assistance, and integration therapy, as well as cannabis-assisted psychotherapy. He's a chief medical officer, clinical director, and co-founder of Nimbus Canamed. He's also an advisory board member of MrPsychedelicLaw.com, as well as a board member of the Unified Dream Veterans Nonprofit Organization. He's also the host of Ganja Beach Medical Center Show and the voice of the character and upcoming educational cartoon for the cannabis industry. Welcome my next guest, Dr. Lonnie Weiss. So, Dr. Lonnie Weiss, I, I'm so glad you come on my show. Uh, you're actually one of my first psychologists I have on the show. I'm excited to see your input on, on a bunch of stuff going from addiction to helping firefighters with PTSD. But let me ask you this first. When you first started in the industry of psychology, were you ever thinking that you, it would lead you to psychology and cannabis and CBD at all? What a great question. Um, and thank you for having me on the show. The answer is absolutely not. Uh, my first jobs uh, in the field of psychology when I got out of training were being uh, in a drug treatment program. I eventually became clinical director of a drug treatment program. So I worked within that system of treatment and pharmacotherapy and what have you. So that's what our training was. Like medical doctors today, about 93% of them are not trained in an endocannabinoid system. So we are only doing what we're taught to do. And that really is, is not something that I thought early on in my career that I would be using this as the form of helping patients. It's unbelievable what happens when you learn about history. So one of my first questions I ask a lot of physicians when they come on, when you started in the CBD cannabis industry, were you ever worried about like your license or, or did you start when it was already already um, legislated through your state or how, because you're in Florida, correct? So we, we only got it pretty much back in 2019. So were you afraid of licensing coming down on you, on you at all? Or did you just say, you know, I'm going to dive in and get what I need to do this? Basically dove in and did what I needed to do. It's about helping the patients. And, you know, my understanding from 
what I was doing is I'm learning about something with my educational background. I'm taking time to do research on products that patients were using here. So throughout my career and through school and what have you, uh, University of Florida for undergraduate, you're exposed to things. You know, people, they try things when they're younger. You, You see it one way. But then as you start to understand indigenous tribes, you know, when I was in college, they would use this as an anti-emetic. They would help people in different ways. So early on, I started to learn about plant medicine. My mom comes from the islands. And when I was a child, I remember walking through parks with her and she'd say, Lonnie, can you dig that up? And I'd pick out this little weed. We'd go home. She'd rinse it and make a tea out of it. And all of a sudden that would settle her stomach. So early on, I learned, you know, she came from a, a country where they were, they were raised on a farm. So that plant mentality was in my, my roots. And as a psychologist, years of seeing people go from one drug to another until they find one that kind of works and then the side effect profiles. So throughout my career, I've been looking for ways to help patients. And then I guess five, six years ago, uh, when CBD first became available in the state, I would have so many people, and in this case, I'm thinking of the children, looking at children on the autism spectrum, looking at children with ADHD in particular. And that was my first foray into this. I mean, these kids would come in each week with a different profile. Their behaviors were out of control. Psychiatry really wasn't helping. It was causing more problems than it was helping. And these kids were about to wind up in like lockdown programs in another part of the state. So the suggestion was, hey, why don't you read up on this and let's talk about it. It's, you know, is it worth a trial? And the parents agreed to it. And Lord knows, man, a week later, these kids came back and they were completely different children. And that was really at the beginning of the legalization in this state on the medical level. And that was just with CBD. So that was what really kind of opened my eyes. Um, I had a patient that, pardon me, had been a psychology patient literally every week for 15 years. And this is a man with chronic medical conditions, physical pain beyond belief. He went from moderate to severe spinal degradation. So they were preparing him for intractable pain. That medication just wouldn't take away his pain. They gave him the booklet for a patient booklet for intractable pain, and they started to uh, give him fentanyl patches. Uh, He put the first one on and it fell off. He had two dogs in the house and he said, I'm done with this. And that's when he asked me for help with, uh, in this case, we were synergizing his opioid medication using cannabis. Um, And then I can kind of share with you how that evolved into his cancer that developed and, uh, Same tools, just a different application. So we were doing internal and external, and that's when I started my Instagram. So if you scroll all the way down to the bottom and my first posts, you'll see a person that has a four centimeter uh, skin cancer, and that's the person that I'm referring to. So I helped him figure out how to do this, and uh, it was unbelievable to see that progress. So that inspired me to come out and do this and talk and educate you can't deny what you see. There's so much to unpack there. What I want to unpack in the first part is basically the biggest misconception because you, like you said, you started with children and kids. The biggest misconception is that 
we're leaving out a whole generation of, of young adults because we still feel that this stigma against this, this drug is a, is a gateway drug to other drugs, when in fact we could be teaching the younger generation that it's a much safer source, especially for younger athletes with pain, instead of going to the NSAIDs or, or immediately to some other medication. This It's CBD basically, and we're going to talk CBD with a little bit of THC, and we'll go to the cannabis later, but it's safe for children, young adults. It's not just technically uh, adult only type product, correct? Clearly, you know, understanding that this is something that we can give to animals, we can give to people of all ages. The side effect profile is not what people would think. You know, when we look at side effects, I was, uh, okay, so new job working in a nursing facility. And these are people who, I mean, it breaks my heart to see the pain and suffering there. And the irony is within a month, I decided I'm not talking about this at all. I'm just there as a psychologist. Okay, that's what I'm paid to do for another company. And a case comes into, you know, to me. And this is a person who is uh, an amputee, a veteran, PTSD, and uh, he wants his medical marijuana card. But it goes against all the rules and laws and everything. So the company that, that you know, is there knows nothing about it. They don't know they just think marijuana. So I meet with the guy and I explain to him that the majority of what I do works with CBD. Yes, we work with THC also, but as an adjunct to synergize, it's not the major component unless that's what we really need to treat like cancer or pain or something like that. So the focus to me is to have a person understanding. This is where knowledge comes in. People don't understand it. There's so much stigma and you know that knowledge is all biased. So going back to that understanding, that's a great question. It is safe for kids. I have young children that take it. Do you want to give it to infants? You know, that's something that I, I, on a case-by-case basis, it's possible. But I think more so, we need to really understand its role. So CBD is not a cure. It's an adjunct. It's a tool in the toolbox, the way I look at it. So, for example, if you came in saying that you were unable to sleep at night, you had racing thoughts, It's a wonderful medication for that problem. So I would tell you that, yes, take this. But at the same time, I want to build skills for relaxation and other things. So that's really the goal is that it's an adjunct, not a cure. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes 100%. And just a little background. I I own a CBD company as well. And that's what I teach people. I teach them basically the product itself is not the cure. It, It helps actually get your body to actually function properly to cure itself but you got to add a little bit extra stuff so don't just think you're going to take this and everything's going to go away because that again that's what most society wants nowadays is the quick pill and everything stops but that that's 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 not what it is but I, but the biggest thing that i find especially as a firefighter who gets thc uh, to get tested for THC and stuff is that a lot of people will, will try and push even some firefighters i know going to the thc part in other words low thc because they say it's a better product, but it all depends on the individual. Is that correct? Not just the individual. Okay. It depends on the problem. Okay. I mean, THC and CBD together synergize. It doesn't take much, but a tiny bit of THC when you have a CBD product, and this is something that I've seen just looking at the, um, at the, uh, you know, breakdown when you have the, the certificate of analysis and you can see that a product has a 0.03 or lower uh, THC content. And then a patient of mine in 
another state. They were, and they sent me a copy of a COA of, of one that they got, I think South Carolina. And he was telling me how amazing it was. He went to sleep and this and that. And I said, send me the COA. And he did. Reason was it was a 0.91. So it was almost 1%. It was still under 1%, not really psychoactive, but it was above the government level. But the effectiveness was that much better. It was significantly better with a little bit of THC in it. So that's kind of the way I look at it. If there's a person that has, so simple rule of thumb, for example, if you would use ibuprofen for something, CBD would be the analgesic that I would choose. If you would use aspirin or Tylenol, so neurological pain as opposed to inflammatory-based pain, that's where I would use THC. So that's sort of the breakdown that's evolved in the way that I work with people. If you have something that's more on the electrical system, THC works well with that. If it's the uh, inflammation that's impinging on a nerve, I think we need both, if that makes sense. So it's not as easy. It goes back to what you said, the individual. And one other thing is called the endocannabinoid system tone. So understanding that, you know, we're all different. Our bodies don't necessarily need the same amount. We produce these chemicals in our bodies, okay? So these are the building blocks for our endocannabinoid system to maintain health, reproduction, you know, stability of mood, things like that. And when we have imbalances, that's when we need an external source. So the phytocannabinoids or plant-based cannabinoids come in. In this case, we also have that endocannabinoid system tone, which means our body's ability to absorb and metabolize it. Some people are faster, some are slower. So think alcohol, for example. A person can have a drink, another person can have a drink. One person feels nothing. The other person is sloshed and it takes a while to get out of their system. That's our metabolic rate. And basically that also dictates on the type of product you're going to have because basically like we both know digestive products will take a longer depending whether you want the issue to kind of help now. So you go more to either an inhalation or a, or a tincture instead of actually digesting one because it'll take longer in a digestive system, correct? Yes, which is another point. Um, so working how long the different modes of administration work, there are benefits for each mode of administration. So inhalation, that's the fastest way to get into the body cross the blood-brain barrier. When you smoke it or vape it, 30 seconds to two minutes, it's in and it's working. However, it doesn't last long. And depending, let's say on THC, you build the tolerance, 30 minutes to maybe two hours. However, a tincture takes about 15 minutes to work submucosally, and then it works for maybe two to four hours. Depending on metabolic rate, I've had some say as long as six hours. But when you take something and you put it in your stomach, it now goes through the liver and it converts it. In the case of THC, it changes it from the form that everyone knows of Delta 9 THC to a form called 11-hydroxy THC, which is stronger, longer lasting. And that's where, you know, we kind of build what's called the dose layering approach. So you start your day if you have, let's say, physical pain or anxiety with maybe a, a puff off the vape pen. Then you go and you take your other form of medicine, which is now going to create a longer lasting base. And that way we have stability throughout the day as opposed to peaks and valleys in terms of whatever we're working with. 
That is so interesting because I kind of almost do the same thing is that I'll actually take my tincture in the morning and then I'll use a gel cap in the mid-morning, mid-afternoon to tail off thing and then a little bit of my tincture to help me sleep at night. So that's that's interesting. I never even knew about the layering effect when I was actually doing it. <laughs> that's the key. When you start to understand the method to the madness, our, our mind, our body will pull it together. We do what works. But we have to pay attention. And this is where a lot of people, they do things without paying attention. You know, this one word that's been overused in our culture um, of late, mindfulness, it's a really good word. But at the same time, you know, I'm not here selling something with it. I'm just telling you the principle of mindfulness is to pay attention. You know, like this morning, I made a cup of coffee. And as I'm walking out to my porch, I'm holding this and I'm feeling it. And it's like, wow, that's really warm. That feels so nice. And so I'm paying attention, mindful of the sensation. I smell it. I can get all of these different smells out of it. I taste it. I can feel it. So the same thing with when a person uses a medicine like CBD or medical cannabis, I want them to journal it. I want them to pay attention. When did you take it? How long did it take to begin working? What did you notice it doing? How long did it last? And so forth. Because we need to be the architects of our own health. Exactly. That's what I want the audience to get from that. And I, I tell a lot of people who say they bought CD products or bought my product and said it didn't work. And I says, well, how do you know it didn't work? Because you weren't being, like you said, mindful. Take it. If you're taking a tincture, wait 20, 30 minutes and then tell me how was your pain? If it disappears or goes down, then the product is working. Then you're kind of doing the right thing. But if you take it, it goes away and it comes back later and you say, I'm still in pain. That's normal because of the half-life of it's only, like you said, two to four hours. It's going to come back. But if you forgot about it for two to four hours, it was actually working. You just didn't be mindful of that. But let's go back to the to, to where you said before, the effects of the, the neurological to THC. And I want to go to where you said earlier, the addiction process. That's where you where I think, especially where I'm trying to look at, is where you see CBD and THC become an addiction process. Aid. Is that correct? Because they have both problems. A, they feel bad and B, neurologically, the synapses between the brains if because of the opiates is not actually firing properly, but that couldn't actually help. Is that correct? You know, there's so many different things that we're finding out about CBD and what it can help with. And literally just posted today an article about uh, it was from normal and uh, it's in the uh, you know, and preprint right now, but they're looking at cocaine addiction and how CBD can help with that. I've also talked about cigarettes and alcohol and opiates. What we're looking at is something that works on different pathways. Okay. And these pathways are things that, so, okay, let me kind of go back a step here. Um, our endocannabinoid system is something that when I was in psychology school, learning to be a doctor, they didn't teach you about this. They taught you about like, oh, you know, this is endorphins were the big word back then. So endorphins, they taught you about the brain chemistry and they said, this is what controls you. So this is where the medicines are in to control serotonin levels or norepinephrine or whatever brain chemistry. Then all of a sudden we start to get these guys in Israel that say, wait a minute, there's an endocannabinoid system. And that's the mother system that actually downregulates your receptors and neurotransmitters and things like that, or, you know, serotonin, for example. So your endocannabinoid system is really what we need to pay attention to, not necessarily the serotonin receptor or norepinephrine. So 
when I started to learn about this, you have to look at the body as a whole. Our body is something that internally the mind, the physical body, and that spiritual part need to be taken care of. And that's what's evolved outside of my training of being a psychologist. The mechanistic part is what I was taught in school. Our body is a mechanical thing, and this is how it works. And that's very Freudian. But then <clears throat> the thing that always fascinated me was the work of his, uh, his colleague, Carl Jung. And Carl Jung added the spirit to it, and he added free choice. So our ability to kind of be a spiritual being as opposed to this mechanistic being that was guided by just instincts and, and base drives. So as that evolved into plant medicine, Carl Jung started to talk about doing things with, I guess, psychedelics. And today there's a resurgence of his work. So this is kind of where my field of psychology is changing. And it's going from leaning on psychopharmacology and the traditional therapies to looking at something that's more historical, going back to the aboriginal tribes and, and peoples who it predates written language. Okay, When there are cave drawings that are 28,000 years old that depict entheogenic plants and substances, yeah, they were using this well before written systems were involved. So it's only been legal in what, the past hundred years or at different places throughout history where let's say religion or power base were threatened by it. So, I mean, there's a lot, you know, I just, keeping things focused is the key. We're in a country right now that needs to change this on a federal level because it's the right thing to do. The war on drugs was not something based on science. It was based on something other than science. Um, looking at, well, we won't get into racism and money and what have you, but that's what it was about. So now we need to do the right thing. And the right thing is to understand that plant medicine does help. You know, CBD is something that there really is no reason why people should not use it. You know, people in law enforcement, people in the military being banned from it because they're getting checked for a THC level that really has nothing to do with their ability to perform. I mean, the tests that they give on a roadside sobriety test literally have no relevance to a person's ability to carry themselves. Okay, so they're testing for a, a compound that really does not have anything to do with impairment. Once that compound is in your body, it's in your body and it stays there for a long time. Impairment is something different. So we're still in the infancy of trying to figure out how to regulate that. Yet at the same time, you know, they sell alcohol freely. You can buy as much as you want. You can drink as much as you want. You can still get behind the wheel of a car. You know, I mean, you're not supposed to, but people do. And they tell you this level. So they've figured out ways with alcohol. It's a substance that's toxic to our bodies. It's known to cause harm on multiple levels, even to a fetus. They're Korsakoff syndrome. You drink enough, you will cause brain damage. So, you know, there really needs to be a changing of this. I agree 100%. And I use the analogy, like I said, the reason why I started this podcast is I'm trying to bring education because as a firefighter, I still get tested for THC. And I agree with you, that little bit of THC in a 0.3% is not going to affect my ability, especially when you see people like professional major league baseball players who will use cannabis on the outside. And like you said, it stays in your body. And the next day they go st still hit a 100 mile an hour fastball without a flinch. It really not going to affect our, our, our ability to actually to perform, but actually may help us in the long run survive so we can help more people.
Well, you know, think about it. You guys do a lot of physical things, okay? Just like people in uh, combative sports, let's say mixed martial arts, boxing, okay? When your bodies get physically injured, you're in a state of inflammation to repair it. CBD is one of the best anti-inflammatory substances out there, okay? So why are you not allowed to use it? And isolate is not something I recommend to people. I, I want more of a full spectrum or broad spectrum product because the more of the plant you have, the better the effects are. But this is where we are locked rigidly into this anti-drug mentality for five decades. And that's what needs to change. I think when you start to open up the mind to the benefits, I mean, you have guys that are going into a ring and beating each other senseless, okay? They're getting knocked out. And that's damage to the brain. And if we have a substance, which, yeah, CBD is that substance, and it can prevent brain damage, it can actually help them to prevent problems that are, are going to necessitate doing things like surgery or lifelong, you know, debilitations from it. So, yeah, we need to be responsible in this. But on the other hand, they can go out and drink as much as they want. <laughs> and that's the irony. It, it, here's the cool thing about here's I, I kind of see not the cool thing, but kind of like the weird thing is that you still got the whole, like you said, cannabis is bad. CBD is bad. THC is bad. But yet on the philocybin psychedelic aspect of it, where you hear LSD, uh, MDNA, Molly, ecstasy and all this, they're actually going through FDA approvals to actually prove that they're actually medicinally good for stuff like PTSD, depression, everything else. And and you you mentioned that to somebody on the street, like, which one would you rather take? Would you rather take a CBD or LSD? They're going CBD when you're like, well, the LSD would probably be a lot better for you. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the craziness, okay? I mean, people see something like that and they still look at CBD as a bad thing. You know, they're accepting psilocybin and what have you. What's the difference? Well, I think the war on drugs, unfortunately, has kept this a bad thing. And I think it's been used more to monetize something that I don't want to create enemies. But, you know, when you start to create a business based on an immoral act like locking people up, that's not a good business. So private prison industries and those unions associated with them are things that unfortunately have kept us in place. And that's something we don't talk about enough. And that's one of the biggest lobbies against cannabis legalization right now. It's not just the obvious ones like the alcohol industry and the cigarette industry. It's much more, you know, sedition like that in, in terms of people using a substance, unfortunately, for a justification for that business. So when we change this, everything needs to change. Okay. And that 1937 tax act and everything that came from that, we need to change that damage. So what we're doing today, this is education. This is what changes that stigma. This is what gets people to understand, Hey, wait a minute, we've had it wrong in terms of, you know, what I do on a daily basis, I'm reading articles and posting them. I'm interpreting them because I want people to see this is not what you think it is. 100%, 100%. And I do that on a, on a daily basis when people ask me questions and everything else. And I try to, that's again, the whole reason why I started this podcast. Dr. Weiss, if people wanted to reach out and ask you questions or get some more information for your work, where could they go? Well, I uh, have a presence online on Instagram and Facebook. It's Dr. Lonnie CBD, D-R-L-O-N-N-Y CBD. 
I'm also on Insta, on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I also have my website, which is drlawniecpd.com. And uh, you can send me emails or... Um, Perfect. We're going to put all those in the show notes for when it comes out. It's probably going to come out in a couple of weeks. Dr. Weiss, I appreciate you taking the time out of your weekend and talking with me today. It was wonderful. We'll definitely keep in touch. And that's all I got for you. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'll have some links for you. So if you're interested in starting your podcast yourself, one of the best places to go is podcast powertrain right now they're doing an, an amazing offer for all their course material if you want to actually help get your uh, show ranked all you got to do is go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash powertrain and you'll get all the information there also if you're looking for a platform not sure which platform to use to record your show on riverside fm is the one we use you can also go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash Riverside. Check them out and you will not be disappointed. Again, thank you for all listening to the show and we will see you. Well, we'll see you, but we'll get with you next week. You guys have a great week. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained some type of value. So what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Good Dudes Grow.